the Podjectivity Network. Solving everything, listeners, we're back. Whether you want us to be or not, it feels like we've been on hiatus for three years. It's actually only been two and a half months or so. The pandemic warp, just time all warp. time perspective lost. Mm-hmm. And do you want to tell us about your big movies, movie star career now? Well, it's it hasn't been released yet. Uh we haven't even finished shooting, okay. so I don't know how much I can talk about it, Chris. Oh, it's top secret. No, not really. Uh, it's a family project. Is there a bidding war already? <laughs> oh, big time. Big time. <laughs> I'm doing a lot of press. No, I'm not. Uh, this is the only press I'm doing. I can see Dan Higgs. Out of the tree of life, I just picked me a plum. uh uh-uh. You look the same. You can come and chitter chat, but you have to chitter chat into the microphone in case you say something interesting. Well, you never know. You never know what could come out of your mouth. Stranger things. If you were Frank Sinatra, you pretty much could have just done whatever you want. I think he kind of did. He's like a Trump. He just Mm, not fair. He was more sensitive than that. Was he? Yeah. He wasn't racist or sexist or anything? Not only was he not racist, but he, I mean, uh, the Rat Pack, one of the members of the Rat Pack was Sammy Davis Jr. And I think Frank helped open a lot of doors for Sammy and believed in his talent. Okay. He was a big Democrat. and So he wasn't like Trump who just thinks he can do whatever he wants. Frank Sinatra could actually do whatever he wanted. Yeah, I mean, he was an artist. You know, he painted as well as sang and... Although he had kind of the New Jersey mobbed up Italian, you know, I did it my way sort of swagger. He was, there were more dimensions to the guy than that. Many more. And he was tender, I think, too, capable of that. And Mm. it's very, it's, have I told you the story about the the song, uh, Oh, what's the name of it? Just what makes that little old ant think he can pr- move that rubber tree plant. I've heard that song. Yeah. High hopes. Uh, Sinatra acted a bit, you know, and there was a screwball comedy that he did called Hole in the Head with a kid. And they sang that together. Huh. And he, the story goes, uh, Frank was friends, good friends with the guy who wrote it. And, you know, that's all about next time you're found with your chin on the ground, there's a lot to be learned. Just look around and hang in there and all of this kind of perseverance stuff. And Sinatra got dropped by Ava Gardner. And he was with a lot of beautiful women in his life. But Ava... He got dumped by Ava Gardner? Apparently Ava was the one that he... That was like the love of his life. Oh, that's brutal. And he... He was distraught, mm. like suicidally so. Wow. And this guy helped, kind of came over and 
steered Frank away from from the high hopes guy, the, guy, the mm-hmm. writer. I don't know if he was singing that to him while Frank's head was in the oven, but Frank did some acting. <laughs> yeah, he won an Oscar, and Sammy was right there to say, "Hey, baby, <laughs> there's more fish in the sea." <laughs> For all good. of our elderly listeners, mm-hmm. gotta. Are we doing anything here? Like, what's uh? We're chitter chattering. Did you guys have a plan? Did you make a plan? Where had the props? Plans. The plan was put a microphone in front of your face. Okay. And see they what must comes have hidden out. The plans. <laughs> <laughs> Where are those plans? No, we have prompts if you want to stay focused. Hmm. Some of the things I sent or. Mm. Those questions. Things you're deep burning to talk about. Burning. The burning. Burning depth. Uh, got a timely text today. Alliteration. From uh, a while back. Tiddly. I had a young uh, engineering student with me for a couple days. Maddie Adams, if you're out there. She texted me today uh, and said... When is there going to be a new episode of the podcast? And funny how these things work out. Wow. And I hit her back and said, oh, my God, you're never going to believe it. We're supposed to get together tonight. Maddie Adams, this one's for you. And, you know, oh, my God, unbelievable, you know, hive mind. But she dropped something on me here. Oh, boy. Whoa, what a coincidence that I texted you on the exact day the hiatus ends. That's good to hear. That's a fan. Do you have a name for your listeners yet? Oh, and yeah. I know you kicked one around. I'm out on that. By the well, way. Which one was it? No, I just think that's a, an interesting point because Marin has the what the fuck buddies, what the fuckers, what Does the fucking Eastas, what the fuck ah. Nicks. I had one that was, this is obs- a thing. It was obscene, wasn't it? Horrible. What what tell me what it was though. Thing dongs. <laughs> oh, I kinda like it. Uh I kinda I, you don't like I'm her? part of the team that created this podcast. I don't even think I get it. <laughs> and I, I think I'm triggered. Quite frankly. Thing dongs is like ding dongs. Okay, are you ready? Are you guys sitting down? Yeah. I like thing-dongs, for the record. I do. I I, th- I want to snack on it. <laughs> Agree to disagree. <laughs> Any guest that could, came on could then, we could serve them ho-hos and ding-dongs. What are you trying to do? <laughs> <laughs> okay, to our guests. Lay it on us. Do you have a name for your listeners yet? If not, I would like to submit conscientious podjectors. Oh. As an option. LOL. Lowercase. <laughs> <laughs> Any emojis? No. All business. Oh. Uh, conscientious podjector. That uh, almost rolls off the tongue. Like most things, it might just take some practice. No, it's too long. Conscientious is too long. I, go, uh, I could see podjectors. I appreciate okay. the submission, though, Maddie, mm. whether, whether we're able to ratify this or not. See how this works, Maddie? I want more submissions. What about conscientious thing dongs? 
Marty is See, out there right now <laughs> making a list. He's on number 11, probably. I'm so going to make a Marty, case. you're going to have to send him in. Um, my case for conscientious projectors is it is a phrase from the lexicon that you it just the deft moving of a couple of letters and changing one syllable. Uh-huh. It's a very Consci- familiar. Conscientious. It's a very familiar phrase. Chris with can't a, even sorry, say it. That's say a problem. It. Say it again. With a wink and a little turn of the phrase there. Conscientious podjectors. So you love it. You've got to use your broadcasting voice <laughs> to say it. I don't know if Chris has developed her podcasting or her, her broadcaster's voice yet. Have you? This uh, one's for all the conscientious podjectors. <laughs> you, you, Andy has a broadcasting face as well. <laughs> I think the very face earnest. Goes, That's the, good the, pot. Very the, earnest. The face has to go with the voice. I, I don't know that you can do the voice without the face. Chris, are you saying that Andy has a face for radio? <laughs> oh, I'm saying you guys can't use those weird broadcasting. <laughs> Another voices. phrase. Another well. I'm speaking in this voice phrase. all night tonight. So, <laughs> oh. I will consider that submitted. I think we need ten more submissions before I don't we, think can we should make act a decision. Rashly. I don't think we should decide. I still don't see what's wrong with thing dongs, but I, ooh, <laughs> I'm. He's uncomfortable. I'm You're struggle. Uncomfortable. I'm gonna struggle. I like that. silliness. Silly is good. Uh, yeah, and it's it's perfectly silly, but conscientious project, conscientious mm. projectors. My co-hosts are struggling. We are. We can't say it. So that's even in our the nomination hurdle. process, they are struggling. Oh my gosh! Yeah. All right. So that was today. That just happened today. How about that? That's pretty cool. Thank you, Maddie. Thank you, Maddie. There you go. Give uh, us more. Give us more ideas. What else you got? Yeah, uh, she's what taking classes. What does Maddie think? Of, what uh, does Maddie think about thing dongs? Uh, yeah, hit us back there, uh, Maddie, <laughs> at Podjectivity oh, yeah. at gmail dot com. Mm-hmm. Yes, I should probably open, crack open that email account at some point. It's been a while. Yeah, me too. Uh, what if there's five? Wait. What if there's five hundred emails sitting in that account waiting to be read? This is the worst pod <laughs> ever. We cannot acknowledge that we don't check our. There, there might be stuff. We were on hiatus from listeners, although some listeners do just text me about stuff. Starting I, today, I will check it. Twice a you week. know what? We do monitor downloads and we watch things, but I don't. I think the only true meaningful metric of like we're 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 making it, we're doing something here, is when we get a troll. Ooh, uh, that's not I mean? where I thought that was going. Like I hate you guys. You suck. Yeah, fuck, fuck, Andy, Dan, and Chris are okay, but fuck that guy. <laughs> Tell him to shut up. You know, it's something along those lines. Some hate. You know, that's. If you if you're not getting any hate, then no one's listening. I don't think that's how you know you've made it. Yeah, sort of. What? That's yeah. If terrible. somebody cares enough to hate you, they... is there any celebrity that no one hates? Mm. Tom Hanks. Um, hate that. I bet there's someone who does. I, well, he's the closest I can come. I mean, he's pretty universally cherished. Who has he beaten out for all those roles that he has landed? That's who hates Tom Hanks, I bet. Good even point. Then, yeah. That's what drove Mickey Rourke to plastic surgery and substance abuse. What? What did? I made that up. Oh. <laughs> that he lost every part. He auditioned for every part. Can you imagine Mickey Rourke as Forrest Gump? I he, can't. Oh, 
He was going to be in uh, Castaway. He was going to be in Saving Private Ryan. And then mm. in walks Tom Hanks. He's like, fuck, well, fuck this. It's a little against type for Mickey Rourke from like nine and a half weeks to you've got mail. <laughs> yeah. And how do you break out of that when Tom Hanks is in the way at every turn? Every good part for the last 35 years. Mm. What about Sam Rockwell? I can't imagine anyone hating Sam Rockwell, no. but there, there's, there are people out there for sure. That guy's level of success. There's mm. a hate. There's, there's an army of haters. Kermit the Frog. Chris, <laughs> he's a character. Well, uh, he's a voiced. By. Are there people that hate the Muppets or and are creeped yeah. out by the Muppets? Sure. Really. Yes, Chris. Too okay. popular. There's always going to be some antagonistic person who just likes to say, "Oh, everybody loves this." Fuck that. That's my lane, but not the Muppets. Mm. I love, I love them dearly. Yeah. I'm happy that you came in, wanting to talk about what we should call our many, many fans. Right. They need a name. It right. is a culture. It a is growing a legion community. of people. It is a nation. Wow. Maybe we should come up with a name for our haters when we name, have haters. a nation state. I wonder if you, hmm, this is a good question. Coming up with hmm. a name for your new nation. Mm-hmm. Uh, do we acknowledge the hiatus or do we just plow right through and act like nothing happened? I don't think any of us are too eager to talk about the pandemic mm. or the circumstances <laughs> which sort of contribute to, I mean, I don't know if that's necessarily uh, what drove the hiatus, to be honest. I mean... Well, things got real, real busy. Things are uber duber busy now for any parent right now. Chris has got yeah, young kids especially that are having to be homeschooled, and you've got at least. I mean, your kids are older, but Quincy's how old? Eleven. He's in sixth grade. Right. So that's not a self-starting sort of monitoring his own activities. No. Kind of. No, it's tough. So. Uh, Perhaps it would be okay to acknowledge the hiatus. Go ahead. I'm going to get... Uh, yeah, it wasn't really a function of any one thing. It wasn't like, well, COVID. Because COVID. Uh, we're three grown-ups. Uh, a little peek behind the curtain, gang. Uh, we do not live together. <laughs> uh, we live in separate houses with our various uh, offspring and mates and whatnot. Uh and yeah, we sat down in July and talked about Apocalypto and and then everything just like everybody's schedule changed like at the same time. Everyone was dealing with a new framework, new personal framework. So that always kind of pumps the brakes. Uh, and then we realized we've been hitting it hard for 10 straight months, getting together like every other week, which is challenging. As fun as this is, it is challenging to carve out the time for three different people who don't live together to come together and do something. Not to mention, it is tough, man. Not to mention, not to mention energy at the end of a work day. You know, when when sometimes all you want to do is just sit in a comfortable chair and stare stare at Netflix. I've got it. Here it comes. I've got a photographic memory, and that kicked it off. July was hot as balls, as Nath might say. And it was all I could do to get up, face my work day, 
the second you turn the doorknob, you're just sweating already. And it never gets better, and there's no refuge from it. You're just going to sweat for the next nine or ten hours. Was chafing a problem, Dan? And what do you do oh, about it? Um, <laughs> monkey. There's some monkey. Monkey butt? Monkey butt. Okay. I've heard that word. Okay. Hygiene. Mm-hmm. It's a combination of hygiene. It's a combination of having good underwear. Huge. Duluth. Because I've had a lot of bad ones. Breathable. Got It's got to be breathable. Like cotton fabric type. Mm-hmm. Oh, not like high, out. high tech. It's completely out. No, it has to be just like some kind of breathable. Uh, 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 quick recap. Good hygiene. <laughs> right undies. Right. on. So that's what kind of started it for me was just like, guys, I, I just want to come home and take a cold ish shower and just sit down on the couch until I have to do this again tomorrow. And that's, I think that's kind of how, that's how it started for me. was just mm. like, man, I don't have anything left. Does that happen every summer? Uh, yeah, there's a, you always hit the wall. You always mm. hit, when the forecast every day is just 90 plus and like no cloud. It's just orange circle 90 for days on end. It, it comes for us every year. Comes. Maybe we could, we'd be like a seasonal podcast where when it gets cold, we huddle around microphones in a warm room and talk. And feel free to pick up the ball and run here, but my two co-hosts here, both schedules changing, uh, and it all, and it just felt like, yeah, let's take a break. And then that spun out into from July to October fifteenth, because then the Higgs family went on vacation, and it became like the closer that vacation got, it was just like cross off days, just cross off days, and get to vacation. And we had some stuff on the calendar, and then stuff fell through. And then, and then, and then, and then, and COVID. And you just get conditioned to just being in your bubble. And leaving the bubble is effort. And you just sort of slowly frog in the boiling and the slow warming water. You just kind of, before you know it, it's like, wow, I haven't left my house and I haven't gone out and seen anybody for months, a month, two months. And, it, and then it becomes like a, a mental mm. hurdle. Like, and then I'll just keep talking. Uh, <laughs> then school starts. Uh, Dane County at home learning. Uh, and the more time you spend there, the more time you spend there. Every day it just becomes a circle of a water wheel of what did we talk about this morning? What has to happen today? Then you get home and it's what didn't get done. Well, we got to do something about that. And then before you know it, you you go to bed on Sunday night and you get home on Friday night, and it the, another week just like our like old people say, it goes quick. Old people do say that. They do. I think they're right. What else do old people say? <laughs> they say, "Bye, Cramony." <laughs> no, they <laughs> they say. Get off my lawn. No. <laughs> sorry, elderly listeners. Sorry. Sorry. Just kidding. Well, they say a lot of shit. I don't know. Depends on the elderly person. Uh, so that's my angle on hiatus. And it's been it's been great. It's been great to just shut up. And uh, sports came back. Uh, You've been reading. Reading. Spinning the records. Rediscovering, digging as deep as you can dig in the record collection. It has been wonderful. It's been marvelous. Hmm. 
but balance. It's time to get back out and engage. I have been working to um, counteract the little subconscious stress that's been happening when you're out in the world now. <clears throat> and if you take a step towards someone, they take a step back. Mm. <laughs> and little cues like that that are everywhere, I feel like it's doing a little brain damage to my social centers in my brain. So part of why I wanted to come back and jabber jaw is because I need to make sure that I'm taking care of my social sort of reactive, whatever is happening. And my I know everyone's nervous systems are on the fritz because of this whole experience. But I wanted to like consciously take a step toward connecting with people, even just verbally, because I feel like it's impacting me to see that physical space and the as soon as I step towards one someone they're stepping away and seeing that between people between kids in particular I find sort of disturbing so um that's part of why I've Mm -hmm. been harassing you guys to Mm -hmm. come back and all of us uh listeners don't all talk at once (laughs) you're feeling the same way this is stunting our social muscles a little bit we are atrophy our social muscles are atrophied from this yeah can you imagine how awkward those first sort of barbecues are going to be or whatever and everybody's <laughs> in the backyard and they're just like how do we do this I people to- are doing it a little oh, bit right no I, uh, yeah it'll y- ride in a bike good question it- you I- wonder how many of those gatherings will be just like oh my god Remember quarantine and lockdown, and isn't it great that we're together? How long is that going to just be, you know, the theme of gathering before it's yeah. like, oh, we we can we gather that? SNL did some jokes. They've been doing oh, jokes okay. on that all the, all along. Everybody. Of like, pe- whenever people are together, they're like, huh, I thought we'd forget how to do this. You know, <laughs> uh, just stilted kind of jokes. But yeah, mm-hmm. I see. There's a little different angle on it in my world, the surveying world. Uh, construction sites, uh, farming, uh, the kind of people I run into. Things don't really, things haven't really changed for like outside worker types. Mm. The luckily, I mean, first of all, luckily we're all still working that for all the people who just, their job just like stopped crazy because of what we heard on the news last night. That is, so we're all, so I don't see a lot of COVID like fear day to day or a lot of measures being taken because it's guys like shoveling concrete and, you know, uh, that's a bad, that was a poor term. I would get slapped <laughs> for saying shoveling concrete, but, you know, doing concrete work, road work, mm. uh, builders, house builder guys, you know. House builder guys. That's, that's what they a, prefer to be called. That's that's not a mask world. That is not, you know, everyone's got a mask on the mirror of their truck. Mm-hmm. For when they got to go to the store on the way home. But so it's a different angle. Like we're all out there in the outside. We're like, when is it? Come on. Like if we're if you're not sick, then go out in the world. And if you are, you should stay home. That we're that's kind of the vibe. Unless you're asymptomatic and think you're fine. Well, spreading it everywhere. There's a very. Yeah, there's a. When does it end? Where does it end? 
I think I wonder about um, steering the ship. I haven't watched SNL much, but mm. other than the election. Yeah, not much for me, but a, a and, little. you know, pandemic stuff. What else are there skits about? Is it just veering into silly and ridiculous? Hmm. Because what else are they talking about? I can't speak with great authority because I saw like two episodes, the first two episodes of SNL at home. Uh-huh. That season. Oh. I think that enti- I think that was an entire season hmm. that happened virtually. But I just saw the first two. Uh and it was the first two were a lot of jokes like that, like Zoom jokes and uh-huh. like how old people suck at Zoom and what it's like to be in a meeting with a bunch of people. <laughs> All the tropes that happen. It's, Someone's always on mute. We yeah, tried it. We right. did Zoom for a little bit. Someone's wearing their underwear and they get up and they don't know <laughs> that they're <laughs> so funny. Yeah. yeah, right. I was telling, um, before you arrived, I was telling Andy that um, I have a theory that the globe, as with all life force, has an intelligence. And because it, like any animal, has um, survival instincts, that seeing what's happening with environmental destruction and global warming, that it might have somehow supported this kind of a virus, not necessarily to decrease the population of humans, but to have a catalyst so that the globe would be required to work together and mm. like have a commonality between each mm. other because that's what's necessary for its survival so we mm. don't keep fucking it up over and over and over again with our emissions and our Amazon destruction and mm. but how perfectly ironic that this event has sent us on a course of the opposite right of isolating isolating however i feel Bizarre. like it will drive such a strong alone together is the slogan though hmm. we're sacrificing you know this uh, you know absence makes the heart grow fonder mm-hmm. perhaps is another way of i i think that's true is creating such a strong drive and appreciation for what we're missing when we are distant true that it's going to hopefully drive people closer together see what matters most and it's a common earth experience it's not Mm. just one country isolated experiencing it so Mm. i'm hoping that you know in its vast wisdom the life force of the earth knows what it's doing Hmm. you know i've heard a lot of people say though like another thing that this we weren't going to talk about the pandemic but here we are um like just we held out a long there's, time. There's we really up. did. We We're did a great job up. of not there's, talking about it. There's a lot of jokes about like I've been preparing for this my whole life. If you're an introvert, you know people <laughs> who were, mm-hmm. but also just modern culture. You know, like if you think about the progression of life before the television, when we had front porches, and mm. my understanding is that porches kind of went away after the TV because people weren't bored and hanging out on their fucking porch making conversation with their neighbors 
and then everybody kind of moved inside. And now on top of television, we have the internet. Good God. And we have our phone when we're out among people, so we don't have to really engage with you the people. You never have to leave it. You never have to leave you your media. Can, you can, yeah. yeah. I mean, which is just Your really, fantasy football team. Yeah, just a so reflection of yourself and your own interests. And, you, you know, you're True. just feeding yourself, really, I guess, maybe. Or it's not... It's not human engagement. So, uh, one it's of what the, sort of passes for human engagement now. I guess, and it was that way before the pandemic hit. So, um, you know, humanity, in a sense, was pretty well prepared to. I mean, that's not to downplay the fact that people are hurting and that social muscles are atrophying, and and human connection isn't being missed at all. But like. Maybe it's shining a little bit of light on how isolated we had become beforehand anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good yeah. point. That we're able to just sort of... You want more time on your phone? Looking at your phone? New, new <laughs> season. You <laughs> new Here's season of Star time. Trek's coming out. Binge the <laughs> shit out of it, baby. Yeah. Yeah. It's been bizarre. Nath, any hot takes on hiatus? Well, I've got a film career now. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's that... My cousin is an independent, aspiring filmmaker. Let's say he's written a lot of scripts, but he's one of those artists who, you know, the the name of that game, like a lot of, uh, if you want to be a singer, you want to do any of these kind of glamorous things, you just, even, you know, successful actors talk about all the rejection, and it's so much rejection, and, and you know... There, he's a he's one of those stories of a guy who has gotten so many doors closed that he finally got to the point where he's like, you know what, fuck it, I'm gonna make it myself. <laughs> I'm gonna draw a door and uh, <laughs> yeah. open it and uh, <laughs> construct my own door and and take an online crash course on filmmaking and you know buy the simplest gear but that's still good enough that it won't look totally amateurish and and get my cousins who have done a little acting and you know yeah yeah have a little bit creative a little bit of a artistic streak yeah and 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 i won't have to pay them uh right away but i'll tell them that so it's a profit thing Yeah. yeah i got to watch a little bit that's from the jerk um and it was the Podjectivity cool. Network supports this endeavor. He is that. That's that's yeah, the template. This is, this is self-made. His thing. Is no self-made. one's gonna let me do this or ask me to. Well, then fuck it. I'm just gonna do it. Yeah, and, and keep doing it. <gasps> and I, I've I've said all along that like, if I think about who my people are and what draw me, draws me to people. Please say me. Please say me. Please say me. <laughs> no, it's people who who make stuff. Generally, like it doesn't have to even necessarily be music or poetry or things that I'm specifically into, but just like our friend Jeremy Higgins, who got into coffee and started roast, yeah. roasting his own beans. Deerfield Coffee Company. Deerfield Coffee Coffee Company. Yeah. Hi, Jeremy. <laughs> I love people who who make stuff, you know. And Jason, my cousin, is just he's always making stuff, and he wants to make a movie. So. Just make stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and and uh, there's something beautiful and pure too. I think about like no one, 
no one is supporting me or giving me really much encouragement. And I am doing this all on my own steam. It's just, I got to do it. I, I, know I have feeling. to, I have to do this, you know? So there's this, there's a sense of, uh, did this take up a little more of hiatus than you were well, perhaps it, letting it, on that? It, were you guys collaborating on this? Like, well, he sent a script out and, um, and if so, I'm going to need a more thorough report from you on a weekly basis of what's been going on here at Fort Nath. Well, it was supposed to just be a one weekend shoot, and then ah. he came up here and we shot some stuff. And With then, no nudity, and then... Uh, <laughs> not yet, not yet. I'm not totally opposed. But, uh, you know, uh, once he reviewed the footage, he was like, okay, this is wrong with it, that's wrong with it, this is wrong. You know, like he could see... All right, it, it's a learning experience. Question: but, mm. Are you guys shooting with like an iPhone, or does he? No, he's got. Where a, are we in the? He's got a nice digital camera. Okay. Okay. Uh, with three different lenses. Oh my god! Close, medium, and wide. Okay. Uh, so there, you know, I got introduced a little bit to this through like Marin's podcast or various mm-hmm. things. I've gotten some insight into. He he gets at when he gets actors on. He's always talking to them about their craft and hmm. trying to basically get free lessons from <laughs> people who've who've acted more than he has. And I've been listening not because I think oh I've got this budding film career, but it's just an interesting subject. And 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 we see the finished product, but what we don't really get to see or appreciate is the grind of multiple takes mm-hmm. multiple 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 takes while they change the lens or they shoot it from a different angle or you know so uh unless it's clint eastwood who's just like we're doing this once f- right perfect moving on action <laughs> uh yeah uh so but the multiple takes thing was you know for Wait. the different lenses was good. action <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> right. So I heard, I forget who it was. It was interviewed once. Uh, Eastwood's daughter is an actress. Uh huh. Beautiful young woman. Yeah, and his son is a handsome MFR, too. He is, Jeez he is, Louise. He is. Scott Eastwood. Let's give it to him. God damn it. His daughter looks a lot like her mother. Okay. But some. The actor- red haired woman that's in Unforgiven. That's. Uh, Clint's wife. Uh, no way. The whore who got cut up? No. The, like, den mother whore. Oh, that's Clint's wife. Really? Oh, boy. All right. Well, Dan's going to check it out. But right. Anyway. Some yes, actor was yes. talking about having daughter. having to essentially fuck Clint's daughter. There was a love scene that Clint was directing. Uh, oh, no. And just the... The challenge of uh, having Dirty Harry behind the camera, like, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, that's hot. <laughs> yeah. Gross. How would you be the daughter being directed by your dad? Be the weirdest thing ever, wouldn't it? Yeah. Directing a love scene with your daughter in the. No thanks. Uh-uh. No thanks. Cool to work with your family. You know, like I'm working with my cousin and making this film, but I don't have to make out with him. Not yet. Again, I mean. Well, I found that the little bit that I saw was fascinating because it was very much do it again, do it again, do it again, now do it again. 
Now I'm just going to be zoomed in on your face and do it again. And now I'm going to be. And you moved too much and you were out of frame and you were out of focus. So keep it between here and there. Act in this uh box. Yeah, right. So you have to sort of think of yourself in space in a in a certain way and not you're and, like and one adjust of those your mimes in a box <laughs> right yes yeah and my uncle uh fake need me in the balls and fake pistol whip me many times <laughs> whoa which was it's you know even if this turns out badly and i'm sure jason it won't but my cousin Nick said it when I was describing the plot to him and telling him how his dad was kneeing me in the balls and pistol whipping me. He was just like, this is either going to be the worst thing ever or fucking gold, you know, <laughs> but either way, it's just, you know, family. Another question. Lore. Okay. So we've established you might not have like the little railroad track yet where you do your long <laughs> tracking shot. Mm-hmm. But it's it's more than just a guy holding an iPhone and everybody's giggling. That's like, right. That's are right. We, yeah. We're playing this pretty straight. We're we're going for it here. We're like we're trying to do the best job we can, all of us. Yeah. You, okay. I love it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh terrible for the listeners, but here is Francesca Eastwood. Oh. Okay. She's, redhead. She's pretty. A little bit of a redhead. Nice. Now I'm gonna show you a picture with her mom and you're you're gonna totally get it. Oh right? I love that actress. Right? That's so his wife? Well, it, it's not listed in Clint's bio, and oh. not to get too in the weeds, but I'm pretty sure. Hmm, I like her. She's I don't think that's an accident. In so a bunch of stuff. She's the den mother of the horrors and Unforgiven. Uh, and God, if I was any kind of a technology guy, her name this- is Frances Fisher. And Jesus Christ, she's the mom in Titanic. She's like the bitchy mom in Titanic that makes Rose go with the rich guy. Here's an interesting question. She's an Unforgiven. This is a tangent. She's in Watchmen. Are you kidding me? You ever heard those arguments that strippers and um, what'd you call her? Den mother. Uh, that's probably not the right word for it, but like the house mother or the that it's actually, the manager of the horse. Not the pimp. She's not a pimp per se, but in but, the old west, I suppose she was kind of the pimp. She sort of decided like. Have you ever heard up? the argument that that's not exploiting women? It's actually empowering them that what is like for instance if you're if there's a woman who's putting herself through college by stripping Mm. and she's like i love my body i love what i do this makes me feel good i'm not a victim here and then you know like the psychologists are like every single person stripping has had some kind of psychological or Mm. sexual trauma growing up have you guys Who ever heard that? Who hasn't had some psychological trauma growing up too, though, right? Sexual is different, certainly. And I can see how that might, I don't know, be connected to that line of work and, and be a thread, a common thread there. But I've heard, certainly, there's you know burlesque kind of dancing and there's a range of like tasteful pole dancing in a sense you know where it's not <laughs> it's not a seedy club <laughs> context is everything mm-hmm. to a degree like dita vantis if you're yeah if you're in paris and you're watching you know who dita vantis is yeah oh yeah i don't really but. she's a burlesque dancer but she's super famous and she does really high class events and gets paid Boatloads of money to take her clothes off because <laughs> she 
puts on a show a little bit. Lots of right. feathers and sparkles. And, and I'm sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure the show isn't, you know, the peppermint hippo, hippo outside of Green Bay. <laughs> peppermint hippo? What in, what in God's name is that? Is that code That's for some? a gentleman's some... club outside of Green Bay area. Yeah, is it the... code for some weird sex thing? It's, I don't know. Tell me, Dan. Well, peppermint hippo? I can't, it's what I it's can't called. know what I... you're thinking, but there's one out in Vegas called Spearmint Rhino. <gasps> oh. Is there really one called Peppermint Hippo in Green yeah, Bay? Yeah, outside of Green Bay. Uh, okay, Sebastian. Spearmint Rhino is a famous one in Vegas. Well, there you go. Okay. And what the fuck does that mean? Spearmint Rhino? But anyway... <laughs> I don't know, like a minty horn. Horny. That's as close as I can come to. <laughs> Sometimes it's better to not try. <laughs> no, no. So, anyways, that what? Oh, so the like Morha, uh, the den mother, like that. Ophelia in Trading Places. Mm. She's a self-employed prostitute mm-hmm. Ooh, who is self-employed would be important. Seeing Johns, and she's taking all the money and she's sinking it into T bills. And she figures she's got another year or two on her back, and then she's out. Yeah. Right? If women choose... And then she meets Mm -hmm. Lewis Winthorpe. Oh, Lewis. Was this pretty woman? No, trading places. (laughs) Sorry. I don't know. I don't have an answer. I just was posing the question. Interesting. Because Nath's budding acting career... You mentioned the den mother. More or less like working the pole. <laughs> More or less. Oh, no. Frances Fisher. Yes, we were talking about Frances Fisher. Look her up, folks. You know who she is. Well, if the if there wasn't, I mean, the stigma against prostitution is probably one of those failures of separation of church and state mm-hmm. to a degree. I mean, the fact that that act has been consecrated and that's what makes it special or yikes you know makes it that account i would think that that accounts for you know making it illegal i because don't know otherwise... i feel like it would be empowering if the whore could choose her clients mm-hmm. that's empowering but if you're at the mercy <laughs> of whoever walks in the door mm, Chris, have you started a new <laughs> career that we... No, I find it interesting, though. I just... The whole idea that is... Is it empowering for women to be their own, you know... A self-employed... Self-employed and make their money. Sex worker. As a sex worker. Let's say sex worker. That's right. I think that's actually the correct term. I think so. Mm-hmm. It's less offensive than whore. I think it sounds better than <laughs> horror or harlot. Harlot. A more Elizabethan. It's uh, only term. not empowering when that's the only choice, I guess. If that's their only choice mm. and their culture forces them into it, that's not empowering. Yikes. But somehow if they choose it for themselves when there's other options available. Boy. That's empowering. Oof. What do you think? Was not expecting <laughs> well, this. Well, I think you're, first of all, you're up against trying to make the argument that that's somehow empowering. You're going to have to overcome the oppression and the, you know, the struggle that 
women have had to wage against just being seen as sex objects. Right. right? And so. part of it, like if you're in a, let's say a bad relationship and you don't know you're in a bad relationship. For instance, one of the uh, people that I was seeing recently, an elderly couple. So I, I background is I work for hospice. Elderly couple. Um, they were going to be celebrating their 70th wedding anniversary. And one of them was a prostitute. 70. No. Okay, sorry. No. Continue. <laughs> and... She was the wife was talking about the husband and she was saying, I'll bet he was such a good, you know, he she was kind of in past tense because he was kind of out of it. But he was such a good husband. He was right there. He was right there. But okay. he's a little bit sure zoned out at that point there, but not there. So. Um, He was a good husband. He never knocked me around. So he was really good. That kind of thing where really? this is just my example of. She thought that was good. Good. Yeah. High bar. High bar. Mm -hmm. And from the outside looking in, it was very much not a high bar. Mm. And But you didn't get married in 1930 either. I know. But when I think about sometimes I wonder for some population of sex workers that maybe do have trauma, they might think that they are really empowered in this work. But is it just because they're within a certain cube of their own experience where the bar is actually lower than they think it is? And if you go outside the bar, like, for instance, if you're charging 40 bucks a pop. Wow, this took a turn. For blowjobs or something. And Dita Vantis is charging $40,000 to do a, a strip show for 15 minutes. Is it really empowering to give a $40 blowjob? Like it's really hard to drive. put a, it's really hard to put an empowering spin on a $40 blowjob, uh, you know. Uh but I think part of it is Do you see what I'm saying? It depends yeah. on context. This yeah. woman thought she had a good husband because he didn't beat her. That's a thumbs up in her generation or in her We're also talking about a generation that didn't really allow people to divorce unless there were extreme circumstances hmm. for religious purposes and that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a woman in most cases, in most cases has a more wholesome option in this country anyway. And, uh, and, 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 and the slide into a choice like prostitution is just associated with like the criminal underbelly of drug dealing and mm -hmm. other easy ways, with that. very much easy ways, easy. I'm air quoting easy because we know that that lifestyle and the risks that come along with it and everything else, it's not fucking easy. Right. But you know, there's always an appetite for, you know, people to exploit somebody else to satisfy their base desires, whereas going to night school while you're waiting your tables MBA. and all of that—that's right. a different kind of hard, and and takes a different type of discipline. Whereas, I don't know where, yeah. I, where I was going with that. Exactly. Oof. I don't know either. So, I, question just popped did, in my mind. Is that all she said? The woman, who, and then she just like fell asleep, or like, <laughs> or did she have a little more to say there about old Ed, or? 
She said, they, she oh, no. said. I was going to say what are their names because I love people's names. I can't. you could never say their I name. I can't. Sorry. I was wrong. No. Um, she talked a little bit about. Eunice. She and was Ed. She was underage when they first met. Oh, boy. And he just kind of kept hanging around. Mm-hmm. And she didn't have those good birthing hips yet? <laughs> not really. I think she was probably 13 and he was 16. 13? <laughs> Get the. And he was sixteen. What century? But we were just talking. From? Seventy years ago, they were married. So no, sh- well, married in nineteen thirty. It's like Jerry Lee Lewis. He was he married, he married his thirteen his... year old cousin, right? Yes, he did. Ugh. Well, anyways, <laughs> I think oh, a lot he just of shaking. Go on, huh? he just kind of just ha- was hanging around and hanging around and hanging around, and I think then he enlisted mm. eventually, and then thirty. Yeah. It was sort of like. Well, after the seven year itch. I kind of feel like my grandmother. 12 or 13 years later, after they got married, World War II. Middle class or like lower middle class, middle class women. I'm not sure there were a ton of choices other than get married to a guy that doesn't beat you. You mean the good old days? (laughs) Damn. Like, I I don't know, but. So terrific. In my family. Ah. Uh, that seemed to be, I think, maybe the trend. Watch it, Adams. <laughs> I've got my pimp hand up here. Oh, for God. The, <laughs> if the listeners. <laughs> Watch it. It's not like romance didn't exist before. No. You know, modern times or, you know, men weren't able to express tenderness and 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 be romantic and, you know, I mean, Shakespeare wrote his sonic sonnets how many hundreds of years ago, but there is something about the Midwestern man that we grew up with and that was our grandfather that is startlingly like unsentimental mm-hmm. and uh, har- there's a hardness about that guy that, uh, you know, I guess maybe I can only speak from my own experience, but like, um, yeah, you just, you weren't really allowed to, but it depends on the individual too, you know, because between my two grandfathers, you know, one of them was certainly a man's man. He was a builder. He was a war veteran. He had all of those boxes checked, but he was also a total softy for his daughters hmm. and could show affection and kindness whereas you know the other guy and eh, not so much yeah. men have always had the capacity for the full range of human emotion and think sometimes they just flip some switches off by necessity world war Two being probably a really big necessity they had to switch them off power down the tenderness and the sweetness and the compassion and empathy and some of them i think just never turned them back on mm-hmm you know what I mean? Also, World War Two was a also fucking shit show. Also, certain types of certain occupations, certain professions force you, I think, are or or tend to influence how vulnerable, like you what? know, a person allows themselves to be. You know, like farming is a fucking daily beating. On a lot of way, in a lot of ways, or it certainly can be, you know, you can plant things 
and nurture them and then a hailstorm can come and mm. just wipe out acres of your blood, sweat and tears in a afternoon. Wow. You know, or disease can sweep through your 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 uh your animals and you know, you can be out your your investment and you know there's just hmm. uh, there's there's the brutality or the cruelty of that but then also maybe just you know the monotony of of the of the working day and the toll it takes on your body and you know and farm life in my experience i don't want to say it forced it but like families take on really I don't want to say stereotypical but typical uh, roles like the women cooked and the men farmed like Hmm. you know women cooked and cleaned men in the fields milking the cows doing that you know division of labor very clear a lot of time those women were out there you know Driving wagons to town for harvest. You're yes, gonna yeah. get letters from Certainly these farming there's women. Cat, my but that's mom. what I saw yeah. growing up. <laughs> like very traditional. What's the drive, other than making a living and keeping your farm alive? In terms of what character are you? What is the character that you're building? What quality are you building by having done all the work? Everything's pristine, and then nature comes. And shits all over you know, it. If it's not what nature, does that build? If it's not nature, it's also the markets. You have mm-hmm. no control over it all either. So farming is like a handshake with an entity that could fuck you over the next day. And you just have to come back and keep shaking their hand. And you're like, I really hope tomorrow's mm-hmm. going to be a better day. But I have no fucking clue what's going to happen. You can't trust Mother Nature, Right. But what is that? I'm wondering what they, what ultimately. What do you get out, get out of it? What do you, what keeps them going? Not what keeps them going, but it builds something other than resiliency. I feel like they know something about Mother Nature that I don't, because I didn't grow up with that kind of relationship. What did they learn that I didn't? Hmm. That intimacy Jeez. with uh. the the nat- the forces of nature, and that those forces of nature fuck with your livelihood and mm-hmm. your ability to support your own family. I feel like there's like an intimacy there that they yeah. have. What are you? What? But I think my dad, you do it. Yeah. If I, I don't want to speak. Well, this is what we do on a podcast is we speak for broad swaths of <laughs> the culture, but Iowa, Illinois, Wisconsin, just speak for, we've got those three States pretty much covered. <laughs> It is the trade-off is you are your own boss. You don't work for somebody, but you are subject to the capricious whims of Mother Nature markets. You're you're your own boss, but Mm -hmm. it comes with a lot of also risk and baggage and heartache and and straight up toil just work Mm. work an an infinite schedule of work that never ceases 
but also the the approach depending on what type of farmer you are like the type of farming that i think dan and i witnessed was the agri-science had had evolved to the point where we were they had chemicals that could keep the pests at bay mm -hmm. they had more chemicals that could generate more growth they were genetically modifying the seed so that would produce mm -hmm. more kernels mm -hmm. and they were rolling. every plant can support like more ears mm. yeah and, and the tractors were getting larger and more powerful so you had to you could spend less time and now the tractors are driving themselves and there's this that's whole no shit they really do and they yeah. they can plant the each corn plant closer together now they're yeah. they're extremely close and is the they have like double roots is that a genetically engineered thing I've lost touch a little bit. Did like traditional corn have double roots? Because now corn has like multiple sets of roots. That sounds oh, creepy. I noticed. But I mean the the the. I think it was always like that. The mm. the approach to me didn't seem so much like they have this insight in this relationship with Mother Earth, and it was dominating it. Hmm. And you oh oh you think you don't have enough nutrients to give me another crop? I'm gonna pump some more nitrous into you. I'm gonna drill it into you. And you're gonna give me some more corn next year, mm -hmm. you know, and it and uh, and oh, and it really wasn't. There wasn't enough, uh, you know, kind of ability to step back and take a broader perspective, to to really think too much about like, mm, what are the repercussions of spraying all of these various things mm -hmm. or only mm -hmm. planting corn? Yeah, or, yeah. I mean, no, it was, your original question though. Survival. Um was about sex workers. <laughs> How did we Somehow land? we got to corn. <laughs> corn and porn, folks. Uh, the theme of today's podcast. Yeah, I'm trying to cross that over and I can't. Uh, corn and porn. Randy Farmers. The images of a woman <laughs> working the pole on a corn stalk. You were you were asking about the wisdom and what have you. Um, and I'm trying to I'm trying to answer your question. Ah, and I'm it is. You work for yourself. Mm hmm. It is the uh, it might be the ultimate acknowledgement and acceptance that life is hard. Life is work. Mm hmm. As someone who dreams about and wishes they could retire like every morning at about 7 a.m. <laughs> uh, I think that and say that all the time realizing that there is a value to working and that stopping you see people atrophy you know if you retire too soon there's a chance you just like get fat and have a stroke or have a heart attack too yep. soon if you just do nothing lose purpose so, yep so that's ever present in my mind but mm -hmm. as it pertains to farmers is it is a self-regulated lifestyle. Like you answer the bell every fucking day. Why? Because that's what I do. You also have because the that's pride. My life. It's not just calling your own shots, but the pride of, of, of investment in your own operation. And you know, when you have a yield, it is from the fruits of your and, own labor. And, and man, it, when it goes well, I mean, how many people, better. That was one of the hardest adjustments for me to see when I started working other jobs outside of just working for my dad, which was my first job, was like, take, for instance, the receivers that I 
encounter at Walmart now uh, or any of the big box stores where, you know, there's such an enormous sort of... Uh, You're talking about delivering product yeah, yeah, at to, a big box. Okay, at a big gotcha. box store. There's such a big bureaucratic, you know, machine that separates the people who order who are ordering the product from the people who receive it mm-hmm. that if the people who receive it you know don't the they scan a barcode on something and it doesn't show up in their little gun on their screen they can't talk to the person who ordered it mm-hmm. and still receive it and, oh dear and then i have to take it back oh dear and there's this confusion and and they don't care enough, really. No one there cares enough to be like, oh, this product needs to get to the shelf. And there's a there's a there's a meaning to what we're all doing here. Mm-hmm. It's just everyone's going through the motions. Whereas working on the farm growing up was like this I inherited from my grandfather. You know, the work we do is feeding America. Uh, there was an, and there was a consequence to every action, Mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, and we had to answer if, you know, if something didn't scan, then we had to figure out where the break in the chain was and get, get it in its place. And we could do that because there weren't, you know, these layers and layers of disconnect between management and the the work the the workers yeah it it's and i was going to say that you know the axiom of make hay while the sun shines mhm isn't just a cliche that's not just a catchphrase it's life it's a way of life i it like it animates you I you like have to work and what? do certain things mm. when you can whether you feel like it or not if the day is right for it, then God damn it, you got to do it. Right now, you see it right now. Hard we are in a we are in a span right now of some nice days. The sun's been out enough; hasn't rained for a while, and it's harvest mania. Soybeans and corn are coming off like crazy. Next week, it's going to be temperatures are going to drop like five ten degrees, and every single day next week has like fifty percent chance of rain. Hmm. So the window, every farmer. Hmm. is balls to the walls doing math in their head of how far can I get day by day by day and every single day did I get as far as I wanted to and if they didn't they're like fuck going into the night though and they go into the night yeah. because the weather's good it's dry right now it's like really it is so yeah. go time oh heavens yes where I work the areas that I work mm-hmm. vast flat fields of corn and soybeans it is so go time right now and if you you're you're only limited by if you have so much land you can't get to it all, which is a which is one angle, or an equipment failure, or you know what's been sweet to or, see or, or. with my old man is in his re, in his later years, like his some of his high school buddies, old friends from the military that were retired or whatever. When it was harvest season, they'd all come and help. Ah. Oh. And it was it, it. It's just become for him kind of like harvest camp, Aww. where they all, you know, work, put in a full day's work, and then have beers and 
yeah. grill steaks and whatever at the end of the night. And the underlying theme is it's fucking go time. Oh, it's work. Whether it's you're old work. or yeah. young, it's go time. Yeah, they. it would never occur to many of those guys to just meet and like play cards or fish or something. <laughs> yeah, because it's, it's work. Yeah, the job is like, oh, well, this is, we've got a sense of purpose. Uh, we all, and this all, you know, all these people who come from different parts of the country grew up in that region and they know how kind of what a sacred almost ritual this is. And it's all hands on deck. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll, I'll drive the loads into the elevator. Want me to operate the combine. We'll do it in shifts. They figure it out. And then, yeah, but it's just, then it becomes a hang. And it's just sweet for me to see my dad have that camaraderie with mm. with the other dudes and not just around where he, he lived there, but that his friends from f- throughout his life, you know, are coming back and and hanging with him and helping him out. I hold a picture in my heart picture from the past It doesn't matter what's before my eyes The memory will last I'm on a jet now above the ocean And it's somewhere I've never been Then I close my eyes and my spirit cries For the land so black, so green So let's sing a song of Iowa Song of joy and pain For a hundred years we turn the side Planted seeds and Let me have a chance to try again. I can't remember when the land seemed young, when I was just a boy. There was work and there was heartache. There was Harvest and there was joy Forgive me now for weeping For the young man too soon old The summer seems so hot and dry The winter's long and cold Still it sing a song of Iowa, song of sun and rain. For a hundred years we turn the side, turn the side. Planted seeds and we pray to God. Pray to God. Let me have another year, a chance to try again. Forever I'll sing a song of Iowa, 
song of joy and pain Be advised our liberties we prize Our rights we will Maybe that's the answer to your question. What do they know? Mm-hmm. That like, I, when you're working with nature, when you're trying to have a partnership with nature, yes, is that stay humble. It's all hands on deck, mm-hmm. and it's relentless. There is no break. There's only like the the work is different on given days, but there are really no breaks. Life is work. This is a this is a uh, worthy and honorable pursuit. So there's some there is some little nugget there that's the element of choice, where you do something because you choose to, not Man, because you're you this have back to. to work in the poll, I am gonna stand up and fucking clap. <laughs> I was going to talk about kids first. Kids wow. that we're raising. Worse than farming. Yes. That they they don't have that nature connection and they don't have that nugget of I'm doing this because I have to, not because I'm choosing to. It's always that I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. I'll do that later. Mm-hmm. I don't. And it's sort of like I feel like there's such value in that farming thing because the farming lifestyle. You're right. Because the essence of it is you get up and you do it. It's not a choice. And you don't fucking ask questions. And all of us as parents. time's a wasting. Are How always... dare you tell me what you want? Yes. You are wasting. You're ashamed for being, you know, for, for, for wanting to do something other than mm-hmm. help. And uh, my God, you are wasting daylight. Yeah. With like, your you hear that on a farm. Your... You are wasting daylight. Mm-hmm. Shut up and dance. There was a se- there was a sense when baseball season came, like everybody also respected the sanctity of the great American pastime. Boys should be able to play a little baseball. How marvelous! But Dad was also kind of like, "It's practice over, <laughs> right?" So you can. He's pointing at his watch, yeah. right? When the other kids are like <laughs> talking about their shoes or whatever after practice, you're. Yeah, You're in the car because it's. <laughs> You're right, though. Yeah. It is a privilege having to do something or choosing to do something. It does come back to the poll. Totally. One hundred percent. Yeah. But that's not what I landed on initially. What I landed on initially is there's something missing, I think, in how we're raising our children because they have they don't have that mandatory. If you don't do this, we won't eat. Very true. You get. I can't get anybody to do anything <laughs> because they always eat and there's always Wi-Fi. Yes. There are no, there's no consequences. hard consequences. Mm-mm. I wondered too, like I had the experience of, of changing schools kind of later. Um, but but uh, I went from this farm community to a suburban outside of Des Moines, just sort of, but suburban USA anywhere kind of place. Mm-hmm. And this isn't kind of uh, aimed at trying to say that the suburban place was bullshit. 
and there was no real humanity there. The, the, the farming community is wholesome, good American. We need to go back to that or any of that business. But I, I felt I've reflected on the disconnect that I felt to a lot of my peers, maturity-wise, and I wondered what accounted for that. Hmm. And it was, I think, very, very much that these so many of my peers there never lived grew up they had more normal childhoods where you know there wasn't this burden placed on them at a very young age where they were for instance expected to operate heavy machinery Mm. and that power takeoff could rip your fucking arm off so don't stand so close to it you little jackass Mm -hmm. you know right and your hard lines that are not crossed your classmates were like playing atari yeah. Right. Do you see? Do you see your neighbor who has the hook for a hand, dude? God. That's going to be your hand if you. Yeah. So anyway, those those experiences oh sober you a little bit, and like, oh, you wanted to play video games today? Sorry, it's going to be twelve hours of hard labor. <laughs> you know. Right, and the town kids are playing Nintendo. Right. Well, but a lot of the town kids would go out and and work to make money at the farm and fucking pick rocks and walk beans and there was no easy True. out. Still Iowa. It's still yeah, Iowa, it's, right? Uh, yeah. Hmm. I wouldn't say that there were there were some town kids though and some things like my friends who lived in town who could just this is a this is a tangent now, but when they they could get together. And oh, this, this is a tangent. This oh, goes okay. yeah. This goes back to co- <laughs> this goes back to covid times. I kind of grew up in a fucking quarantine, living in a farm pre-internet. You know, back in those Dude. days, meant a lot of time alone. Dude. Uh, and, and, you know, although I spent a lot of time working with my dad and with my dad, you know, on school days, he'd be out in the field or doing something and I'd come home from school. I could take in my Masters of the Universe and Transformers, of course. <laughs> my name is Adam, <laughs> Prince of Eternia. But then, but then it was, you know, it was... It was having to entertain myself, and it was kind of heartbreaking to go to school the next day and hear my friends be like, yeah, we got together and played football and had all this these awesome times together and, and think, oh, fuck, I'm missing everything. Um, but in retrospect, there was something sort of beautiful about the time that I was able to spend alone in the woods, mm, you know, let my imagination run wild and building forts and pretending I was Rambo. Did it change the way you look at work as a whole? Because part of, I did not grow up on a farm, but I have always had a problem with work where I can't see the meaning of what I'm doing. (laughs) If I'm disconnected to, like you said, this box needs to go on this shelf. And if it doesn't go on this shelf, I don't give a fuck. (laughs) But that's my job. That's why I'm getting paid the $9 an hour or whatever. Right, right. If I part of working for hospice is you see the results of what you're doing and making someone more comfortable. And I like work where you can see immediate results. There's an obvious connection. There's meaning to what you're doing. Yeah. And it is a form of manual labor, I guess, to use my hands to affect that change. But it's different every time. So it doesn't have exactly the same kind of repetition. It's got a spiritual element to it. 
watching you know, people get ready to die, right? But no, but just the healing touch of massage. Oh, sure. You know, that's different than packing boxes full of beanie babies. Yes. For yes. Instance, both manual, both hands-on, but Do you think that growing up see, being able to see that connection of like there's meaning to what we're doing here and we're like you said we're feeding the masses and it's sort of like that's weird there's, there's a- value to what you're doing did that then make it harder later in life for someone to say all right you're gonna go work at mcdonald's you're like like fuck i am mm-hmm. no i can't i can't get behind mm-hmm. that system because i can't everybody's see the meaning the same thing yeah. I, <laughs> I can't see the meaning behind it or the connection or how it makes you know, things better. You know, there was better. some disconnect, even though in the way that I was raised, in that we raised the pigs till they got ready for market, and then a truck came and took them away. Okay. And I didn't see them butchered, oh. and we weren't eating meat from the oh. pigs that we raised directly anymore. Okay, so you it didn't was going have out that. to some big packing plant, and when we bought our meat at the grocery store, it was like anybody else. Who knows where the fuck this came okay. from? Okay, we grew. Acres and acres and acres of soybeans, and I never knew what the fuck tofu was until I went to college. Really? That's yeah, interesting. Right? You know, and and what corn, the kind of field corn that we raised wasn't the kind that we would eat directly. We had a patch of sweet corn, but that stuff, interesting. you know, I asked Dad, what happens to this after we take it into town and it goes on the train and it goes away? And, you know, high fructose corn syrup. Mm. Uh, more hog feed like well son that corn becomes ketchup (laughs) and diet pepsi and right you so you was that a pretty good roger nath was that like pretty solid so Um, you didn't you didn't have a connection but you seem to have great pride in doing that kind of work even though it was so hard i will say that like um i remember one of the first jobs that i had operating heavy machinery was uh, cultivating. So you had this big iron bar behind your tractor with cultivating blades, these shovels that were spaced. Real risk. Corn is planted in like March or April. Yeah. And then when it's up about a foot ish, mm-hmm. go. Huh. So the tractor. Weeds, weeds are growing up in between the corn. So the wheels go. of the tractor are spaced. In just such a way that you can drive through the rows uh-huh. and not run anything over. And then the shovels of the cultivator are set up in, in such a way that they just run between the rows if you keep it. Are those just the giant tractors place. that they have such a high no. what, cab? No. Separate thing. That's, you know, those that's are more like different. for spraying. When like, things yeah, get bigger, yeah. oh, it always looks to me like they just got off a horse because their leg, their tires are like. And they so sort of try to miss the rows, but they just drive. I want to drive it, under one of those in a like a moped once. <laughs> yes, that would be satisfying. You know that a car like a mid-size, a mini, uh, a mini sedan can a, fit underneath that. Thing. Doing the old vacation. <laughs> yes, yeah. easily. I, I think a truck could fit under there, but I digress. <laughs> My truck, the little to come. Anyway, we do digress, but that that was. You know, starting at one end of an 80-acre field and going back and forth and back, half mile each way, back and forth. No headphones in. Not like Nothing. today. A lot of singing, right? though. Oh, baby. Oh, God, yeah. Singing so out over singing. the tractor. <laughs> and but, but you really did have to stay focused because if you veered 
a little off to the left or right, some of those shovels from your cultivator would take out uh, the precious crop. Yeah. And dad was not a fan of that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you didn't. And he would fucking see it. There was no place where he wouldn't fucking see it. But the pride part, anyway, mm-hmm. as mind-numbingly tedious as that was, at the end of the day, when you drove the tractor back, it was kind of a ritual. Dad would make drives pretty, this is a regular farmer thing, where you just inspect your crops. You just drive mm. through the rows and you look down, you know. Where are the, the rows deer and, getting us? Like, yeah, just, what's... just checking it out. And it was so satisfying to have seen the field before you cultivated with the weeds poking up and kind of making it uh-huh. not so tidy to the freshly tilled earth between the rows and no weeds and just hmm. beautiful. Also missing from our offspring. They don't have that kind of risk with a, all the blades and the... A job of... Well, well finishing a job of like of like satisfaction. Kind yeah. of an epic job, too. One that kinda, you had to really... Large scale. Yeah. Yeah. No, they don't also, have that. Also missing. The yeah. biggest machinery they... I guess my kids get a little bit... They get like four wheelers or um, they get a little bit of that. They get to see tractors that don't do anything. Maybe they pull logs behind a tractor. Mm. So because Justin works with some large machinery like wood chippers and stuff like that, they get to see some of that. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that it really compares to being in charge of operating that. And maybe there is, like, I'm thinking the most risk they have, you know, is like <laughs> they might hurt themselves with a pen or like accidentally draw a Sharpie on their arm yeah. and have a thing. And I was, I was more talking like, you know, one of my kids works at McDonald's, one works at Culver's, one works mm-hmm. at Piggly Wiggly. You don't really get like a satisfaction of like job well done. It's I would think not. Coming through the drive through here's your food, you know, just... And if they do, it's probably from a manager, right? Yeah. It's someone but giving them a totally pat different. on the back. So that's a felt. So apples and oranges from like farm work. Looking at uh, a row or a, a, a whole field of rows of things that you did, those rows that you is cultivated the right word. Yep. It's a felt sense of satisfaction. I fucking did that. Right. Whereas if you get a pat on the back from the manager, it's just another person saying, great job bagging up those burgers. Totally different. Yeah. Moved a lot of product. Totally different. You know, Mm -hmm. like your drawer added up. Yeah. I guess someone else is giving you, trying to, you know, provide you with a little sense of pride in your work versus if you've done something really substantial, you don't need anybody to tell you. That's right. You don't need anyone to say it. And if they do, like if your dad like gave you a wink or something. Oh yeah, well that would. It boy, would be rare, magical. But, <laughs> but you're, you know, getting back to your question though, like the secret or the that we don't know. Yeah. Um, the total agrarian lifestyle, on all fronts. Uh, well, you know, you like you said, it transitioned out of like having a freezer full of your own pigs that you butchered to just you buy the food at the, gro- the meat at the grocery store, just like everybody else. Yeah. Grandpa knows how your to smoke pigs sauce. just like go away. Mm-hmm. Um, there was still remnants of that though. I bet in your, 
world. Yeah, like Grandpa smoked his own sausage, and he used an outhouse for a smokehouse, Dan. Not sana- not sanitary, but it, that's what he I, did. I'm so sorry, but... You don't <laughs> what? have to share everything? <laughs> he- Hashtag overshare. Did he roll sausages while he was taking dumps? It wasn't a functional outhouse. It, okay. Chris, there's only the- so many hours in a day. <laughs> You're burning daylight. You are burning daylight. I'm just imagining an ocean inspector. Like, Chris, if you're not rolling sausages while you're taking a dump. Lots to do. Then what the fuck are you? Yeah. Then you're burning daylight. Then you got no sausage. Lots to do. But, uh, <laughs> but in so many ways, like in my, in my community, uh, it wasn't just the men in the farming. Uh, we're going to go all stereotypical here. It was the women in the canning. Canning. Massive satisfaction from that. The entire food supply. Hmm. Eh, they went to the store. I mean, we lived in the country, but we went to the store. But comprehensive relationship to the earth and everything you're doing is has a sense of satisfaction. Everything is doing. Everything is doing. Hmm. There is no just... No thinking. Nothing easy. Nothing comes easy. I mean... Everything is doing. Problem... There is problem solving in farming, but in terms of like, I'm going to make 50 jars of jam. Yeah. You're not, you know, doing accounting. Everything. It just. There's not a lot of head work. This. Is symbiotic the right word? Symbiotic relationship with nature. That sounds good. In every facet from you don't use a dryer, you hang your laundry outside to oh, right. canning when it's fruit and vegetable time you're putting up your canning yeah to the crops to the every just taking care of the place everything it's so think- earth oriented it's so self fulfilling a a daily affirmation i think there's something to be said too for in, like i can product out i can uh, uh, reward yeah, you know? I can close my eyes. God damn, man! I can close my eyes and see when sweet corn, when we would harvest our sweet corn from that patch, and boil it up, and my grandma would come out and she would, you know, the, grab the cob out of the kettle that it, where it had been boiling and and take a knife. Right on, man! Cut, stripping down. Yep. Cut cut the corn off the cob and just being a little kid and being able to. Grab the the long strip, a strip, yes. Pop them in your mouth, and being so delicious. But they're, you know, what I wish everyone had from their work was this sense that, like, all right, this might be getting monotonous, but that corn's going to be fucking delicious later. Mm -hmm. In fucking January, that's going to taste awesome. Yeah, Mm -hmm. we'll be eating in January because of this. Mm -hmm. Right on. There was there was no question about what are we doing here what what time what what time am i off you know when do the ears stop you know it was just you're done yeah you're done when the last fucking cop comes out of the kettle and then you're gonna be fucking loving that corn until it's gone And and it's such a yeah the pure cycle of like work reward you know Maybe the most easily relatable of farm tasks, like baling hay. Like after a 11 or 12 hour day of doing that, 
nothing feels better than when the last load is done mm. and you get to goof off for a little while. Can like you go jump in the old swimming hole. And now I'm, yeah, yes. Exa- mm. Yes. You'd go to like euphoric. Yeah. Somebody had a <laughs> pond or whatever. Mm. And later in life, one of our neighbors had a pool. Oh, dude. That after a long day of bailing hay, everybody would go over there and go swimming. There is something interesting about that. Yes, like if self-rewarding stuff. It's so. If something's paid hourly, you're right. If there's a big stack of potatoes and you got to slice the potatoes for French fries at Culver's or whatever, mm-hmm. I, they don't slice their own potatoes. But let's say they did. It's not you got to slice that huge pile of potatoes and you can't leave until you're done. It's slice them until. Your shift ends. And your then, shift ends at four o'clock. Right. You're just. And then yeah. there's going to be a new pile for you the next time you come here. Yeah. Yep. And you won't yeah. get any satisfaction of the pile you just cut. Mm-hmm. That is bleak. What are we doing? How do we fix it? We're all dealing with it. We all we all live in this modern world. Don't you think it has to come back around somehow? I think you're seeing more people tilling up their yards and gardening more. You definitely are. And you're seeing people with chickens in there. They got a chicken coop. Oh my God, so many chickens in Madison. So there's your answer. I mean, there are people who are, that's their version of making stuff. And, you know, as much as I admire that, I feel like, I don't know, I don't want to overuse the word trauma, but like, you know, in my my former relationship, I had a... um, I was with a woman who hadn't farmed and hadn't grown up having to pull weeds for hours and hours and whatever. And I was like, oh, I love gardening. Come out to the garden and help me tend to the garden. It's like, I'm fucking good. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like if I never pull another weed again in my entire fucking life. Right. Good. It wasn't recreation. (laughs) It was. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I struggle a little bit with that where. I like the convenience of, of, of yeah. Of Context just, and background, baby. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Wow. Do you guys have a garden? Yes. What do you grow? Every weed. Every primarily. <laughs> <laughs> weed and tomatoes. It's a salsa stoner garden. Yeah, it's uh, it's different every year. Mm-hmm. We've had various forms of garden. Uh, the garden plot. Our neighbors have a. Goddamn pine tree that blocks out the sun. Can you believe them? So like it moves around a little bit and every year we do. So this year was like, oh, well, this year it was because school stopped. It became like a got to do something to fill the day. Homeschooling kind of opportunity. Yeah. Planted a bunch of uh, Mm. exotic peppers. Your kids did? And herbs. Uh, Mostly Lori. You know, like most things in modern life. Mm. Mostly mom. Uh. The boys were like around. <laughs> they were adjacent to it. Uh, but no, we've been bringing in tomatoes and exotic peppers all summer. Yum. And we just, I think it just stopped. Where's I mean, the salsa, man? Habaneros and little chilies, like any variety of weird peppers we can get our hands on. So we've been eating those all summer and fall. And Yum, I think huh. it just now, I mean, it's. A, I think tonight it's supposed to freeze. Like, So I think oh, we're done. Oh, no, really? I think we're done. Yeah. Oh. But yeah, we've always, there's always some form of a garden, some years more than others. Hmm. When there's not much, it's like, oh, next year we got to do more. And then when we do more, it's like, oh, it's too much. There's so much. <laughs> there's, can't handle it all. Someday you'll We have find more tomatoes perfect... than we can 
And then neighbors are bringing them over. You know, it's just so, yeah. I'll take a tomato. Our neighbor, Glenn. Mega Garden. Ooh, I love those mega More garden. zucchinis and tomatoes. Like, How do you He's got do enough. This? this one guy. Like, you know, Aaron and Joe, their garden, they had like fruit Power. trees and cherries and Power. apples and fucking tons of fruit. Do you remember that? For sure, for oh sure. Oh my gosh. Yeah, they don't just have fruit trees. They're espalier and they've been pruned <laughs> and, and they're up on a trellis of some kind or oh. whatever. You know, it's. Uh, yeah. It's. Well, they think they're better than us or what? It's like Eden. It's like a garden of Eden. Well, it's it's what you care about and what you nerd out about. I mean, they're right on, man. They're nature nerds in a way that totally. I have an appreciation for it, but I don't have the scientific discipline in a sense that also comes along with that type of tending other living things. Like I killed a fucking cactus, uh, and I and I damning testimony. <laughs> and yeah, I see like you my, can't unsay that, dude. You know. Here's what I'll say, because we, we referenced a friend of ours, Erin O'Brien, who is an infinitely capable woman. I mean, she's uh, she's remarkable, but for all of the beautiful things that she has going in her yards and all the love that she's giving those beautiful twin daughters of hers, she hasn't touched her guitar in a while. Aww. You know, Epic fail. And <laughs> no, Erin, I'm cutting all this out. You don't have to cut it out. This is how we get haters. Come on. What you, come on. Our friend is our first hater. That's this is how we get a troll. This is how we get trolls. We, Aaron, ta- we covered Aaron, this. Aaron, I don't think I've said anything that she would take issue with. Should Maybe we, our fans should be called trolls. <laughs> we've spoken We've spoken about, and she's spoken to me about how she regrets that she doesn't have more energy and more time. Twins. But, that's, that's, oh, yeah. The fact that they manage the yard as much as they do I with can. fucking twins is yeah. amazing. But for me, like we're all busy to some degree, and where do you choose to direct your energy? Mm. Mm-hmm. And my guitar is my garden. Mm. You know, there's. Uh, that sounds like an album. Title that's ni- or that is that has a nice ring to it. Yeah, yes. my guitar is my garden. My guitar is my garden. I like, I like that, that too. My bass is my play place. <laughs> I'm just that's not as good. I'm gonna stop. My bass is my ball pit. <laughs> <laughs> McDonald's ball pit. Uh, wow. Uh, talk about a fucking I, I don't think in COVID times there's a lot of ball pit action happening no no oh my God. Uh. at the gym I have to save this no the gym where my kids go three days a week one of the workers there we get it they're in shape was well they it's child care was sanitizing kids are I, I, I'm just kidding every single uno card sanitizing oh in a deck God. of like 80 yep oh, i'm like i bow to you sir oh thank you for God. taking my children oh and my the God. things that they have to do to have all these what are we doing <laughs> what are we doing are we getting covid from playing uno come on Spot me while I play as a fly enthusiasm aimed at your end. If it's scan the floor for one tap and do a bobbin hand. Any signal coming back on the same map for Rick frequency wavelength. How's the reception connection? Don't flip the dial, that's your performance. Here's commercial free. Here's commercial free. Only thing for sale up here is me and my CD. You're free to catch up on all times at the top of your lungs. Got a mic and I can turn it up, but I can't turn you down. Got a mic, what I need's a new remote. Point click, flip around, fold it, hold 
What if it too much and dolly do expect a little respect? What if it too much and dolly? What if what they say is true? Less is more. 